Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We turn your attention to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 1. And once you have found 1 Kings 19 and 1, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God, 1 Kings 19 and 1. Again, thank you to everybody serving today. I really appreciate what you do. And if I did not uh, mention your ministry specifically, it's because your ministry is that much more special than the ministries I did mention and besides, uh, your ministry is top secret, and we want to keep y'all incognito. Uh, don't need folk trying to jack y'all because they found out the ministry you're in. So, everybody serving, thank you very much. First Kings 19 and 1. And Abahad, Ahab, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree. Other translations refer to it as a broom tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Oreb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have I've been very jealous for the Lord of God of hosts, for the children of Israel. They have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Amen. Amen. I want to put the spotlight on what Elijah says in verse 4 as he prays unto God. He's uh, it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came, sat down under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. It is enough. I want to raise the question today, is enough 
always enough? Is enough always enough? Amen. Uh, many of us have heard of the recent suicide of a black, the Black Miss USA young lady with so much promise and so much future jumped off of the top of a, I believe it was a 60-story building in New York. Beautiful woman, certified beautiful. When you, when you were in Miss USA, you are certified, bona fide, fine. But it wasn't enough to keep her from taking her life. And here is Elijah under a juniper tree, a broom tree, a tree that's really not that tall, not that tall at all, but he's found himself under this tree and he's praying for God to take his life. Things seem to be going fine for Elijah until Queen Jezebel threatened to have him killed within 24 hours. Until Jezebel threatened him, we saw a strong Elijah. Remember that it was, it was Elijah who made the rain shut down until he would allow it to return in precip precipitation. It was Elijah who was strong enough to raise a dead boy back to life. It was Elijah who was strong enough to call down fire from heaven upon a wet sacrifice. You got to be a bad joker to call down fire from heaven and consume a wet sacrifice. And then Elijah. Elijah led a massacre, led a, a massacre, a four, mass, a slaying 450 prophets of Baal. Got to be strong to just, just go around killing folk. Strong. Our text opens up, though, where King Ahab snitched on Elijah. He told his wife Jezebel what, what Elijah had done. Jezebel, the queen, took the slaying of the prophets of Baal very personally because she worshipped Baal. She was a Baal worshiper herself. And so these prophets who were prophets of Baal that Elijah had killed in the previous chapter, these, these are Jezebel's preachers. These, these were the prophets she watched on TBN. These, these are the prophets' wives who, that she heard at their women of Baal women's conferences. She, she read these prophets' books. She had their tapes and CDs from back in the day. She, she followed these prophets on social media, the prophets of Baal, were her preachers, her, her favorite preachers. When, when Elijah led the massacre to kill those prophets, she took it personally because he killed her preachers. She put, a, she put out the hit on his head and sent the messenger to let Elijah know, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. You're gone. Elijah was weakened by her threat. He took, her, her, her threat took everything out of Elijah. What we have left in Elijah up under this juniper tree is reminiscent of what was left of Saturday Night Live after Eddie Murphy left. There was nothing left. The threat took everything out of Elijah. It reminds us, it reminds us of what we had left with the Cavaliers after LeBron James left the first time. The Cavaliers were 61 and 21 with LeBron in 2009 to 2010. LeBron left in the next year. Cleveland's record was 19 and 63. Wasn't nothing left. There was nothing left after LeBron went to South Beach. After Jezebel's threat on Elijah's life, there's nothing left. Nothing left. She, she threatened him. By this time tomorrow, you will be dead. Threats, y'all, can be fiery darts from the devil. Elijah's life was threatened. Some of us, 
Some of us know what it's like to have our lives threatened by cancer or COVID or, or grief or depression, violence, and, and other fiery darts from the devil. Elijah's threat on his life is real. He's not, listen, y'all, he's, he's not threatened by Jezebel talking about him or what or anything she put on social media. She, she threatened his life and had what it took to pull it off. She could have Elijah killed. She could have Elijah killed. K-I-L-T-T. She could have had him killed. One word from Jezebel and Elijah is gone and there would be nothing done about it. This is part of Elijah's problem. He actually depleted. He's actually depleted by more than Jezebel's threat. Look again in verse 10. Verse 10. Uh, God, God and Elijah having this conversation. God has asked Elijah, what, 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 where are you? And Elijah says in verse 10. I have been very jealous. I've been on fire for you. I've done what you told me to do. I've gone where you told me to go. I said what you told me to say. I confronted who you would have me to confront. I've been on fire for you. But the children, your people, have forsaken your covenant. They, 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 they've forsaken the fact that, that they're in covenant relationship with you. They, they ain't studying you. They ain't studying the fact that you've, that you've chosen them, that you've called them to be your own special people. They've thrown down your altars. They ain't studying anything sacred. They ain't studying what's, what was to be sacrificed. They ain't studying the customs, the rules, the, the, the rituals. They ain't studying you, and they've killed the prophets with the sword. They've killed my colleagues, and you're letting it happen. You're doing nothing about it. They're lynching us. You're doing nothing about it. They're killing us. You're doing nothing about it. They, they, they ain't studying you. They ain't coming to church no more. You ain't doing nothing about it. Elijah had to deal with Jezebel's threat as well as God allowing people like her to kill God's prophets with no justice following the slaying. In verse 10 and again in verse 14. Says it again in verse 14. It sounds as if Elijah has had enough of God allowing the evil to triumph while the righteous suffer unjustly. Perhaps, perhaps Elijah is concerned that the Lord will allow Jezebel to kill him. And so many other prophets, that, as, as so many other prophets have been killed, uh, he, he's concerned that she will kill him and get away with it. Elijah has had enough of evil people getting away with forsaking God's covenant, throwing down his altars and slaying his prophets. Maybe, maybe Elijah is asking, where's the justice? Why are all your prophets being killed with no one ever answering for it? Why, do it? why does it seem like now I got to answer for all those prophets that I killed on the mountain the other day? Why? The truth is, y'all, it can be hard to keep going when people are out to kill you. When you're being hunted like a wild animal by people with licenses to kill you, it will get to you. This certainly happened to the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The, the, the late Martin Luther King Jr., he, uh, he went to visit Dr. Uh, C.L. Franklin, the father of the late Aretha Franklin. And uh, C.L. Franklin told a, a story that's recorded in his book entitled Give Me This Mountain. Uh, talks about a time when Dr. King came to visit him in Detroit. So Martin Luther King Jr. preached for C.L. Franklin uh, a men's day one Sunday morning. So later that night, Martin Luther King Jr. is at C.L. Franklin's house. And uh, uh, Dr. King told Dr. Franklin, he says, Frank... I will never live to see 40. Some of our white brothers are very, very sick and they are very dangerous. I'll never see 40. And we all know what happened. When your life is threatened, it can drain you of energy and vitality you need to keep living. 
Elijah's threat on his life is real. Elijah's despair is real. Cancer is real. COVID is real. When you feel like you can't go another further, that thing can be real. Anybody understand what I'm saying? His low-key frustration with God is real. His weakness is real. But the question, y'all, how shall we glorify God in our responses to such threats? How does someone in Elijah's situation cancel weakness and find strength? Three things Elijah used real quick and we're going to raise up. Number one, Elijah used solitude in the wilderness to gain strength, to keep going. Elijah use solitude in the wilderness i'm in verse three look at verse three in the very first part of verse verse four we'll we'll see elijah gaining solitude in the wilderness verse three elijah was afraid and fled for his life he went to beersheba a town in judah and he left his servant there then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day all day by foot all day walking to find a place of solitude. He, he went into solitude to deal with this situation. He went to Beersheba, the place, the place of seven, seven wells. Beersheba is where Isaac dug his seven wells. Beersheba represents a place where God moved on behalf of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Beersheba, Beersheba is that place where, where Hagar went after. Y'all remember when Sarah had Abraham kick her and Ishmael out the house? Uh, Hagar ran to Beersheba and an angel met her there and and gave her what she needed Elijah ran for his life he went to Beersheba he he found refuge he found safety in the wilderness safety safety when your life is on the line make your way to that safe place that place that that Beersheba in your life it's it's a place where you're expecting God to move on your behalf it's it's a place where you experience safety in solitude Beersheba y'all Beersheba where where there's no one there but you Richard Foster in his classic we went through this book a couple years ago the spiritual disciplines and he has a chapter on solitude he said solitude is more of a state of mind and heart than it is a place he went on to say of solitude there is the freedom to be alone not in order to be away from people but in order to hear the divine whisper better solitude solitude is a great spiritual discipline that helps the worshiper draw strength from god why let me tell y'all why because solitude can help us declutter our minds solitude getting away from everybody getting alone with god can help us to to detox our souls and and solitude is different from isolation i know that this pandemic has a lot of people isolated solitude and isolation two different things isolation is when i'm by myself probably not by choice but I'm by myself. That's isolation. Solitude is when I'm by myself so I can be alone with God. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. And when your life is on the line, when, when your strength is gone, when your strength is depleted, you need to find some solitude in the wilderness. Elijah dropped the servant off and went on deep into the wilderness. And God, God can do amazing things in the wilderness. We see in the Bible where there were people who, who had to spend some time in the wilderness. John the Baptist hung out in the wilderness. And John the Baptist was so anointed. He was so powerful. People came from everywhere to John the Baptist out there in those woods to confess their sins and be baptized. God can do amazing things in the wilderness. Jesus did 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness. The Bible says he went out there to what? To be tempted by the devil. 
The spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to go to go toe to toe with the devil and came out where, where, where Jesus had had the W. Jesus shows us God can do amazing things in the wilderness. The children of Israel, when they left Egypt, y'all know what they did. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. God molding them, shaping them to become the people of God that he really wanted them to be, that he really ordained for them to be so that when he would take them to their destiny, they'd be able to handle it. God can do some amazing things in the wilderness. The wilderness, y'all, is a place for chosen people. It's, it's one of those cocoons in which the worshiper can be molded, refined, and kept so God can use you for greatness. Solitude in the wilderness is when you're alone with God. Solitude in the wilderness is for people destined for victory. The wilderness is for people who are serious about purpose. Y'all, if I were you, and if I felt like I can't go another further, I'd, I'd get alone with God and spend some time in solitude in the wilderness and when the devil's fiery darts have attacked your faith get alone with God when when, when listen when, when your life is threatened get alone with God when depression has drained you of your vigor and vitality get alone with God Elijah ran for his life and got alone with God do it with a sense of urgency get alone with God as if your life depends on it because it does we ignore solitude y'all because we don't realize how how much we need it you need to get alone with God because your life depends on it your victory must feed on it your future has to feast on it get alone with God and what I love about this story is that Elijah has hit rock bottom in the wilderness but he doesn't stay there he doesn't stay there. He moves from the wilderness to Mount Oreb. And some other translations refer to it as Mount Sinai. So all of you who feel like you've hit rock bottom, I'm letting you know you can get up from here. All of you who feel like you can't go on any further, Elijah shows us you can get up from here. All of you who feel like you've had enough and you can't take it anymore, Elijah shows us you can get up from here. Everyone who's wondering where's your justice, you can get up from here. If you want to get up from here, get alone with God. If you don't want, if you don't want your life anymore, do what Elijah did and have solitude in the wilderness. Serve notice to the devil. I'm going up from here. Get alone with God. Elijah says, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I can't go another further. And so what does he do? He runs, runs into the wilderness for solitude. And I would encourage you when your life is threatened, do the same thing. Go, go get some solitude in the wilderness and spend some time alone with God. But the second thing Elijah, Elijah shows us is that you need supplication in prayer. You need supplication in prayer. I'm in verse number four where we find Elijah engaging in supplication, making supplication in prayer. Look at verse 4. Then he, Elijah, went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Here's his prayer request. Here's his supplication. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. Take my life. Can we fit that into that song we sing? Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. If you don't want your life no more, tell him what can we with that with that fly on a Sunday morning? Would that get the church on their feet? Yeah, call him up, call him up, tell him. If you don't want your life no more, tell him what you take my life. For I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Elijah made a supplication. Supplication, y'all, simply 
is my specific request. We are taught in the scriptures to make supplication in prayer. Watch this in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Philippians 4 and 6, y'all know how it goes. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I didn't notice this until yesterday, y'all. In, in the Bible, that word every is everything is two words, not one word. It's in everything. When your life is threatened, make your supplication with thanksgiving unto God. When your life is on the line, make your supplication with thanksgiving unto God. When you feel like you can't go another further by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When you really, when you really don't want to live anymore and you can't tell your husband, you can't tell your wife, you can't tell anybody at church, you can't tell, you can't tell anybody but Jesus and you're reluctant to even tell him because it's hard for you to confess that you actually feel like you really don't want to live anymore. We're told in scripture, make your request known unto God in everything, everything, in everything by prayer. You, you can pray about everything. There's not a thing you can't pray about. You can pray to God about everything. Every secret, every dark place, every pain, every burden. You can talk to God about everything. They may not sing about it during devotion on Sunday morning. They may not pray about it at the altar while they're on bent knee. But you can pray to God about everything. Don't leave anything out of prayer with God. Don't leave any issue out of your prayers with God. Don't leave any concern out of your prayer with God. Talk to him about everything. Everything. Elijah made his supplication, his specific request in prayer. He requested that he might die. I need all my young people to hear this. He said, um, he said he was no better than his ancestors. Hear this. We need to be careful when we're comparing ourselves to others. We need to be careful when we're comparing ourselves to others. I believe this is killing our kids who compare their lives to others on social media. Don't compare your journey to someone else's journey. Don't compare how many likes you're getting or not getting to how many somebody else is getting. Don't, 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 don't get bothered when you're not getting as many shares or tags or followers that somebody else who's posting fake stuff is getting. Don't compare your journey to others. Compare yourself to Christ and press toward the mark of the, mark of the high calling in him. Elijah asked to die. And this is what really bothers me right here. Elijah, Elijah asked to die. He, he sounds like a victim, doesn't he? Sounds like, sounds like a victim. Jezebel's out to get me. Sounds like a victim. Your people have forsaken your altars, torn down your altars, Forsaken your covenant, turned down, turn, torn down your altars and slayed all your prophets. And now they out to get me. And it's almost as if you don't even care. Oh, poor Elijah. I used to empathize and feel Elijah until yesterday. Yesterday, God showed me. So I preached this text millions of times. God showed me something. I don't, I don't feel sorry for Elijah anymore. I, don't, I, I got some questions for Elijah. How are you a victim because Jezebel is out to kill you when you just killed 450 people. 
I supposed to feel sorry? This is why I don't counsel people. This is why, listen, this, this is all of y'all who pressuring me to be more confrontational. Here's why I'm not confrontational. Because when I'm sitting down with y'all and y'all talking about how you feeling such a victim and how you feel so bad, I'm thinking in my mind, but what about all that crap you said? But what about all that foolishness you did? But what about all the people you hurt? Elijah, you don't want to live anymore? If you done took 450 people's lives, I'm supposed to feel sorry for you? No, bro, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. I, I, just, I just wonder how, how am I supposed to feel sorry for somebody who won't come face to face with the damage they've done. And then can justify it. Oh, but it was, a, it was an act of judgment from God upon those false prophets. It was, it was an act of, it was act of judgment of God. I was exercising righteous indignation, killing those prophets of a false God. And that's how we write things off. Somehow we can throw God in it and justify it as if it's okay. I just said what God told me to say. I just said, but did you have to say it to hurt people's feelings? And you don't care if you hurt people. Matter of fact, no, you don't care because you brag about not caring. I don't care if I hurt your feelings. I just got to do what God told me to do. Oh, but when it's your turn. When you up under that tree by yourself and then got the nerve to complain and, and I'm here by myself. Ain't nobody coming to see about me. Did nobody tell you to go to Beersheba? Did nobody tell you to drop your servant off the other day and go on all up in that place and shut yourself in all by? Ain't nobody tell you to do all that. That's why I don't counsel. That's why, that's why I'm not, I don't want to be confrontational because I'm sitting there listening to you cry and complain and whine. And I'm thinking of all the foolishness you've done and said. And I'm, I'm trying, I, I, I'm, it's like, how, how, do I, how do I really help them when to help them? They got to see how sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the way people treat us is how we triggered them to treat us. Jezebel out to get me. She wouldn't be out to kill you if you didn't kill her prophets. Oh, Jezebel. Jezebel don't like me. She, she shouldn't like you. You killed her preachers. Some of y'all sitting here right now having ought against somebody because of how they treating you, but you totally oblivious to what you did to trigger how they treating you. Everybody just say amen. Oh, you a victim. Oh, you're just being treated so bad. But you have nothing to say about what you did to trigger why they're treating you the way they're treating you. I'm going to move on. Deacons, when you get the phone calls, when you get the phone calls, just ask them, but what did you do to bring it on you? Just, uh, and everybody ain't guilty. Some people, some people are totally innocent. Some people are totally, totally innocent. But if you know that they were a sorry husband, if you know they were a sorry wife, if you know they were a no good employee, if you know they were a no good boss, you should ask them, well, why'd you treat your people so bad? Yeah, you can't find nobody to work with you because you got a bad reputation, a well-earned reputation that you're a stank, nasty, mean boss. I'm going to move on. When you get the phone calls, though, deep. when you get the phone call. Just ask them, but, but was, just ask them one question. Just, one, just ask them, but did Pastor Clark tell the truth today? He told the truth, but he ain't had to say, oh, uh, don't. he told the truth, but he ain't got to always, no, 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 no. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror. 
and be honest about how sometimes we brought trouble unnecessarily on ourselves. Oh, you don't want to live no more. You don't want to live no more. So he asked to die. If death is what we want, is it something we should request of God? Death is what Elijah wanted. It is not what he needed, but it is what he wanted. When we make our supplications in prayer unto the Lord, it's okay to ask for what we want. There are times when God answers our prayers and grants what we want. There were plenty of people who simply asked Jesus for what they wanted and he granted their requests. Please keep in mind, they weren't asking Jesus for trivial things like jewelry, cars, bigger homes, vacations. But they asked for what they wanted and Jesus honored their faith and released miracles. And, and, and some miracles were released with no one asking for them. All those multitudes he fed. Well, nobody asking Jesus for no ham. Say, hey, Jim, we're about to go on back to the crib. Hey, you, you happen to have any fish or bread in your pocket? You got any fish and bread a brother could take back? I don't want to take my wife kids back to the crib hungry. We happen to have any, got a sandwich in your pocket? Sometimes Jesus released miracles with nobody even asking for them. Ask the Lord for what you want. But what we really need to make supplication is for requesting God to give us what we need. Elijah needed strength for the journey ahead. Now he is convinced, watch this y'all. He is convinced he has reached the end of his journey. He's had enough and he wants to die. The angel showed up and told him the journey ahead was too much for him. Listen to the contrast in the conversation. Elijah is saying he's had enough. As far as he is concerned, he's reached the end of the road. There's, there's no more tread on his tires. He's, he's out of gas. The tank is empty. He, he cannot go any further. He can't put any more miles on this transmission. He, he wants out of ministry. He wants out of life. He's had enough. In his supplication unto the Lord, he asked that he might die. The angel shows up only talking about the journey ahead for Elijah. The angel is a messenger sent from heaven to serve the man of God. He knows there's more tread on Elijah's tires. He knows there's more gas to be put in the tank. He knows he can put some more miles on his transmission. The angel is there to help Reverend Dr. Eli fill up his tank and go a little further. The angel and Elijah do not see eye to eye. They're not on the same page. Is enough always enough? We know the old saying, enough is enough. I'm not having it anymore. Enough is enough. I'm through with it. I'm putting my foot down. Enough is enough. But is it? Is it? Elijah has had enough. But the angel is saying there's a journey ahead of him. Is enough always enough? When you've had enough and you've escaped from everyone and everything to retreat to your safe place in Beersheba, does that mean you've really actually showed up for real, for real, had enough? When you've had enough and you're praying as if you've had enough and talking to God as if you cannot take it anymore and you're ready to throw in the towel, art thou being accurate? Is enough always enough? Just because you don't want to play anymore, just because you don't want to adult anymore, just because you don't want to be grown anymore, just because you don't want to pursue your dreams anymore, does that mean heaven is in agreement declaring along with you enough is enough? Just because
because you don't want to serve anymore, don't want to be married anymore, don't want to forgive and turn the other cheek anymore because you've had enough, doesn't mean that heaven is in agreement with you. Elijah and the angel are not on the same page. Elijah has had enough and wants to quit life. The angel said, however, there's still a journey ahead of him. He's trying to get Eli on the same page with Elohim. Maybe that's what makes supplication and prayer so powerful. We see it as our way of paging God to go fulfill our request. But prayer is about getting on the same page as God so we fulfill his calling on our lives all the days of our lives. Are y'all praying with me? Time in solitude is, spend, is to spend time with God so we emerge from solitude more like him and more in agreement with him. Are you and God on the same page? Enough is not always enough. Apparently, God did not answer his prayer according to his request. It's not a bad thing. Elijah asked for death. God's angel told him he still had some journey to travel. In other words, God has ensured Jezebel will not kill you by tomorrow. Jezebel said you got 24 hours to live. God said you have more than 24 hours. Elijah asked for death because based on Jezebel's threat, God responded according to his plans for Elijah. He did not respond according to Elijah's faith. He responded according to his plans for Elijah. Are y'all with me today? So the doctor can say you only have 24 hours. God can say, I have some more journey ahead of you. They can give you six months to live and God can say, you'll be here way past six months. I'll keep the thing that's threatening your life at bay because I still have purpose for you. You still have destiny ahead of you. Jezebel's not going to take you out. Cancer's not going to take you out. COVID's not going to take you out. AIDS will not take you out. The heart attack will not take you out. The stroke will not take you out. Diabetes will not take you out because when God says you ain't going nowhere believe me diabetes got to listen to God COVID has to listen to God cancer has to listen to God that bullet has to listen to God are y'all with me today in fact whoo, I didn't see this until this morning the whole time Elijah is asking to die God already knows Elijah won't even taste death at all ever here you are asking for something you will never have to experience. Woo. You let this thing get to you to the point where you assume that the same thing that's happened to other folk is going to happen to you. And you asking God for something where God is saying the thing you worrying about happening to you by tomorrow will never happen to you. I wonder who I'm preaching to today. The very thing you worrying about happening to, happening to you, God is saying it ain't going to happen to you. It's happened to some other people, but it won't happen to you ever. Take my life. You will never have to die. Elijah is going to leave earth ubered up in a whirlwind, escorted by a chariot of fire. He's asking for death and God already knows he's not going to even taste death. Make supplication and prayer unto the Lord. Ask God to help you to be on the same page as him. Ask God to help you see your journey as he sees it. Ask God to help you steer your life according to his divine GPS. God's purpose for his service. God's plans for his survivors. God's power for those who surrender. Ask God to give you enough strength, enough wisdom, enough vision, enough drive, enough faith. And make sure you give him enough praise, enough glory 
and enough honor. Come on, somebody ought to tell him thank you. Finally, when your life is threatened, get alone with God. Finding solitude in your wilderness can make you strong enough to move on after you've had enough. Secondly, you need supplication and prayer to be strong enough to move on after you've had enough. And finally, y'all, being served by an angel can make you strong enough to move on after you've had enough. Being served by an angel. I'm in verse 5. We see Elijah served by an angel. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. After Elijah prayed for God to take his life, he fell asleep in verse 5. While he slept, the angel showed up, and then he fell asleep again in verse 6, and the angel touched him again and woke him up. That's how you know God hasn't gotten enough from you. When he wakes you up again, he wants to use you again. He woke Elijah up again and purposed to use him again. When God wakes you up again, let him use you again. I know some of y'all feel like you've had enough and you can't go another further. Here's the test. Here's, here's how you know if you still have some miles on the transmission. Here's how you know if you still have some tread on the tires. Here's how you know if God can just give you a refill in your tank. If he woke you up this morning you can keep going if God started you on your way you can keep going if he got you up out of the bed listen if the alarm clock woke up ran and you opened your eyes you can keep going if God bless you to wake up tomorrow morning I know how you're going to feel you're going to feel you're going to come down from this high from being at church you're going to come down from your emotional high but I'm going to tell you the test tomorrow morning will be if he wakes you up tomorrow morning you can go a little further if he wakes you up Tuesday morning you can go a little further if he wakes you up every day he wakes you up God is saying you can go a little further I know you're tired but you can go a little further I know you're ready to quit but you can go a little further I know you've had enough You've had enough with your marriage. You've had enough with your child. You've had enough with the racism. You've had enough with bad news. You've had enough with these doctors. You've had enough with this sickness. I know you've had enough, but if I wake you up one more time, you can go a little further. Elijah kept waking up. The angel showed up and touched him, but the angel did not strengthen Elijah. He touched Elijah. Verse 5, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree as he was sleeping, as he caught his nap. I bet it was one of them good Sunday after church naps too. Boy, after that post-fried chicken after the benediction. Ain't, come on, y'all. Ain't nothing like that Sunday afternoon nap. It's just something about it. It just hit different after you're giving Jesus a couple hallelujahs and you, it just hit a little different. He touched Elijah. Verse 5. Elijah laid down, went to sleep again. The angel shows up, verse 7, touches him again. Not only did he touch Elijah, he talked to Elijah. He gave Elijah some simple instructions. On two occasions, the angel told Elijah, get up and eat. Get up and eat. He didn't say get up and worship. Get up and eat. He didn't say get up and quote your favorite Bible verse. He said get up 
and eat. He didn't say get up and call your mama. No, get up. You're grown. Get up and eat. Stop calling your mama for everything. Get up. Stop calling your daddy. Get up and eat. And Elijah did it. He did it. He did what the angel told him to do. The angel is telling Elijah what Elijah needed to hear and what Elijah needed to heed so that Elijah could get stronger. The angel did not make Elijah stronger, but his instruction, his touch, his talking helped Elijah. Are y'all with me? The angel touched Elijah, talked to Elijah, but then he also provided resources for Elijah. Very important. He provided some bread and some water for Elijah. He provided. He, he made sure Elijah had access to bread and water. Let me put it another way. He, he provided bread and water so that Elijah could have his own bread. And he didn't have to go to his mama house and eat up all her. He didn't go to where his mom and his daddy argued. You need to go and let that boy grow up now. You need to go and cut the maple tree and go and let that boy grow up. You need to quit giving in to that girl. Y'all know that's your baby girl. You need to go quit giving in to that girl. That's my baby girl. You leave me alone. That's my baby girl. No, he gave Eli. You're you going to have your own bread. Your own water. Keep your little job so you can have your own bread. Deke, when they call you, tell, just ask them. But did Pastor Clark tell the truth? Just ask them. Elijah, the angel, provided resources so Elijah could have his own bread. Some of our kids will never grow up if we keep giving them bread. Keep giving them what? Keep giving them a little money so they can get themselves some bread. I paid all my, uh, getting that car repair took up all my money. You're you going to pay my rent this month? You're going to pay my light bill? You got something to put on my phone bill? I shouldn't put nothing on your phone bill so your phone get cut off. Maybe you'll stop calling me. The angel didn't strengthen Elijah by spoon feeding this grown man. The angel provided some resources for Elijah to gain strength for the journey ahead of him. If Elijah would access and leverage the resources, if he got up and ate the food, he'd gain the strength he needed to move forward. Some people abide in weakness because they expect someone else to spoon feed them or do things for them they can do for themselves. How about you just put, put your hands, give God some praise right there. For, even if you don't need it, give God praise for the ones who do need it. Come on. The angel touched Elijah, talked to Elijah, provided resources for Elijah. Eli gained strength. Praise God for those servants the Lord sends our way in our darkest moments to touch our hearts, touch our spirits, and talk to us to challenge us so we can gain strength to move on. The angel told Elijah, get up and eat. Some of us, I don't feel like getting up and eat. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really feel. Get up and eat. Can, can, can you bring it to me? Can you, can you put it on a tray and... Can, can you come over? I know, I know you're in Bonaire and I'm way up in Byron. Can you leave your warm, cozy house in Bonaire? Come way up here to Byron. Deke, when they call you, just ask them. But did Pastor Clark tell the truth? 
praise God for the angels in our lives. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, God sends to help us gain strength when we know we've had enough. But God is saying he hasn't used us enough. He hasn't blessed us enough. He keeps on waking us up over and over to use us again and again. Are y'all with me today? We need people in our lives who serve by touching us, talking to us, providing resources for us to gain strength. Let them in so they can help you get up and get going. Here's something else I didn't see until just recently. Solitude is a spiritual discipline to help us mature and be strong in the Lord. It is a spiritual approach to dealing with the, the issues in our lives. Supplication and prayer was a spiritual approach to dealing with the threat. The Bible says that Elijah moved on in the strength of the food he ate. Look at verse 8. I ain't lying to you. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Open the app back up. Look at verse 8. Open your Bible back up. Reach down in your purse. Get the Bible back out. Look at verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. And the food gave him enough strength. The meat gave him strength to move on. Eli's solitude, supplication, being served by an angel played a part. The naps he took played a part. The angels touched, talked, and the resources played a part. But the Bible says he moved on strengthened by what he ate physically. Now, I could allegorize this and say that's why you need to feast on the word of God. What you eat is going to strengthen you for the journey. You need to feast on God's word. You need to feast on praise. You need to feast on fellowship. No, no. No, the Bible says the food he ate gave him strength for the journey ahead. Bless the Lord. He was strengthened by the food he ate. God responded with a physical blessing. God released a physical blessing to a spiritual burden. God addressed Elijah's trouble by granting resources for Elijah's temple. Say that one more time. God addressed Elijah's trouble by granting resources for Elijah's temple. So what are you doing to your temple? Some of us are too weak for the journey ahead of us because we're not eating what can strengthen us physically for the physical demands of the callings on our lives. You have to be a wise steward of your temple. Some of us need to resolve to eat better, eat healthier, eat wiser. So God has a strong temple in which to dwell and for him to use for his glory. I don't know if Eli drank a Red Bull. You know, the Red Bull gives us wings. That's what, that's what they say. What you eat, what you take into your temple can determine whether or not you have energy or if you're sluggish. And some of us are sluggish and weak because we ain't eating right. Just as Elijah moved forward, strengthened by what he ate, the same can be said of you. Then God shows up, verse 9 and 10. Verse 9, verse 10, there, there, there he came to a cave. The, the angel ministered to him, served him, and helped Elijah get up. Elijah moves up, gets up and moves on. There he came to a cave, verse 9. Where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Low-key shade, and you're just going to let them kill me too. Just like you let them kill all the rest of them, you're going to let them kill me too. My question that I didn't have till yesterday, preached it so many times. Why, why is God showing up now after Elijah has been walking for 40 days, 40 nights walking from the juniper tree to Mount Sinai for 40 days walking? 
I'm not even going to ask when the last time some of y'all walked for 40 straight days. I'm not even going to ask. Elijah walking in the wilderness to Mount Sinai for 40 straight days. The angel shows up at the tree. God shows up at the mountain. Why didn't God show up at the tree? It's not like God won't show up at a tree. Uh, so, sometimes, he, sometimes he'll wait till after the tree. Adam and Eve, Eve eats from the tree and Adam and Eve kicked out the garden of Eden. Then God shows up walking. They're away from the tree. God shows up. Jesus hanging on a tree. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God, why, 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 why does God sometimes not show up at the tree? Elijah up under the tree. God, take my life. I'm no better than my father's and after he leaves the tree, he goes to the mountain, and then God shows up. And I think, the, I think what the text shows us is sometimes God may not show up at the tree, but he will show up after a while. Yeah. He, he may not show up when you really want to die, but when you keep waking up and you keep moving forward, God eventually will show up he may not have showed up right at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but he did show up he may not have shown up at the tree that jesus hung on when they had him hung high and stretched wide but but after a while god did show up he didn't show up that friday he didn't show up that saturday but early sunday morning god showed up and rose caused jesus to rise from the grave god god may not show up exactly when you think you need him but eventually god will show up if you get yourself stronger if you take advantage of what god has put within your access to get stronger if you take some time away to be alone with god if you take some time to render your prayers unto god and make your supplications known if you let the angels that god sends to your life to minister to you and serve you if you eat what you're supposed to eat that will give you physical strength god after a while he will show up i wonder how many of y'all can bear witness that he will show up if you keep on waking up God will show up if you keep on getting up God will show up if you don't give up God will show how many of y'all are here because when you've had enough and felt like you couldn't go another further God after a while showed up he may not have showed up at your tree but after a while God did show up I wonder who can be a witness an unashamed witness where life wasn't fun anymore you were depleted of the energy to live but you kept on waking up kept on praising up kept on giving God glory kept on trusting God kept on trying to move forward and after a while God showed up I wonder how many of y'all are here today because God showed up he didn't show up last week when you needed him he didn't show up last month when you needed him he didn't show up six months ago but he showed up you know he showed up because you woke up that's the litmus test he woke me up this morning i know he's up to something I, that's how i know i can make it because he woke me up this morning that's all i need listen if i gotta wait another day for my miracle he woke me up this morning that's how i know i can make it he, he woke me up this morning that's why i'm not going to give up because he woke me up this morning that's why i still believe he's going to manifest his promise in my life because he woke me up this morning and as long god is waking me up he may not show up in the divorce court he may not show up at the bankruptcy court he may not show up at the hospital bed but God will show up so move forward move forward and the question is is enough always enough just when you thought just when Elijah thought he had enough God showed up 
Just when he thought his journey was over, God showed up. I'm done. I'm done, Jonathan. I'm done. Eli felt his help coming. And then God showed up. Declare, I'm coming out of this stronger. I'm coming out of this stronger. Sometimes when you think it's over, it ain't over yet. You declared that it's over, but heaven says it ain't over yet. Elijah sat up under that tree, take my life. It's over. God said it ain't over yet. Jesus hanging on a tree said it is finished, but God was saying, yeah, but it ain't over yet. It is finished. I've shed my blood, but it ain't over yet. It's finished. They've taken my life, but it ain't over yet. Early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. As long as he keeps waking you up, God is up to something. Just because you feel as though you've had enough, sometimes heaven will disagree with you. Sometimes heaven will, will disagree with you and give you another, another day's journey. He'll give you more food to eat. Just trust God and move forward. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to open the doors of the church. Come on. Hallelujah. Is enough always enough? No. No. Sometimes when I feel like I've had enough, God hasn't blessed me enough. God has not used me enough. God ain't woke me up enough. You can go a little further. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.